Okay, going to go fast. We, uh, chapter 35, we finished up with chapter 34 last week, um, no, two weeks ago. Uh, it says, chapter 35, that Moses gathered all the congregation, and I'm, it's not going to be up there. I'm just going to go through this. Uh, Moses gathered all, now this is, he gathered all the congregation of the children. They, we've had the description of all of what the tabernacle is going to be and what all it means, and um, and but they haven't built it yet. So it says, he gathered all the congregation together and said to them, these are the words which the Lord had commanded you to do. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day will be a holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Um, a friend of ours who was Catholic used to get paid when he was a little boy to go around and switch on people's lights in the morning and come back in the evening and switch them off at night. And it was his job, and they paid him a little bit of money. All these Jewish people paid him money to turn the lights off in, uh, in the morning and turn them off in the evening. Because they couldn't kindle any fires and they considered the light switch to be that. That was an extension. So that was in the 60s and 70s. Um, just by the way. Well, I got a that, kosher refrigerator. That's a what? I got a kosher refrigerator. You do? It'll turn off on the Sabbath. How about that? <laughs> There's a button to set Sabbath mode. Is that right? <laughs> true. <laughs> I wonder if that's good for your appliances to give them a day off. That, that's kind of like your ox, isn't it? You know, just a tool that you have. To... But I digress. My chemistry professor in, uh, in high school, you, we'd tr chase a rabbit and he goes, and that brings us back to, so, and my, okay. And, uh, I'm going to read just these few verses. Verse 4 says, And Moses spoke to all the congregation. We had this back in chapter 25. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, and we talked about that in 25, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. So he puts all that out there, and uh, he says, be willing. And at the end of chapter 30, or, and the, it, okay, so we're in chapter 35, which is a lot of it, is from chapter a repeat of what was in chapter 25. And then at the very end of that chapter 35, we have some stuff that is a repeat of what was in chapter 31, which talked about the two men who were going to help build all the stuff for the tabernacle. One of them was uh, Bezalel, and he was a guy who worked in gold and silver and bronze. So all the metal stuff that was going to be built was going to be designed by this guy, Bezalel. And, he, um, and then the other guy... Maybe you'll remember his name is more interesting. Aholiab. Aholiab. He was a tapestry maker. So he, all of this, and, 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 and wove different kinds of threads and all that stuff. So he's going to make all those other things. And we're going to talk about them in the next chapter. Starting with verse uh, 
One, and Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord had put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. It's interesting to think of this kind of work being an offering to the Lord. That there, uh, one guy's a, 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 like a major carpenter guy, and he's going to build all that stuff. And the other guy's this guy that works with jewelry and all those kind of things, and and I guess you know like bronze statues, that kind of thing. He was talented in those things. He brought them together to do the work. And they, verse three here, and they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. They just kept piling it up morning after morning. Kept on going. In verse 6, uh, verse 4. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses saying, and this is funny, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment. And they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, indeed too much. Praise God. Praise God. I I believe that's still true today, is that everything that we need to do the work that God has for us is is there. All we need is that willing... And they just kept on bringing it, kept on bringing it. But it's, they, he said, anyone who has a willing heart. And yes. so there wasn't even a, there wasn't even a, we need this much stuff. Just out of your willing heart. And they just kept on being willing and God blessed them in all of that. So um, is that verse 37? Yeah. And we're going to look at just a few verses at the beginning of verse 37. <clears throat> this is an re- this is a restatement of some more of the instructions on building the tabernacle that was in chapter 25. Only this is him actually doing it. But it's, it's the same. It says, So Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits in length, a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. So it was, it was a rectangle, but it was same height and same width. Uh, he overlaid it with pure gold inside and outside, making a molding of gold all around it. And he cast for it four rings of gold to be set in four corners, two rings on one side, two rings on the other. And he made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. And he put the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark to bear the ark. And that's all it says. What did we leave out from chapter 25 about the poles? It's important because it has a what? That's Oh, that's it. That's here. But something isn't there. In the instructions in chapter 45, it says, and leave them there. Don't remove them ever. Mm. Which, which when the, and they didn't for years and years and years. And only when Hophni and Phinehas took the Ark of the Covenant into the uh, the battle against the Philistines and the Philistines end up stealing it. They took the poles out 
And so when David goes, sends guys to go get the thing and bring it back, that's when, what's his name, touched it to try to keep it from falling off of the ox cart. Also, men were supposed to carry it, and they forgot that over the uh, several years. They forgot how to carry it. And they started, and what, so what did they do? They did it like the Philistines did it. They put it on a cart and hauled it with an ox. Because that's how the Philistines said, we don't want it anymore. And they sit an oxen and they whacked him on the butt and the oxen started walking and nobody went with it or anything. He said, we just want it out of here. And so that's how David and them, well, it ended up in Bethel and then he brought it back. He brought it to Jerusalem. Okay, so there's no, they didn't, they didn't leave the poles in there. The instructions aren't there. He made poles, uh, and he put, he also made the mercy seat of pure gold. That's the top of the, of the box. Two and a half cubits was its length and two and a half its width. He made the two cherubim of beaten gold and he made them in one piece at the two ends of the mercy seat. And they were touching each other. So they're all in one piece. One cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end on that side. So we saw a picture of what that looked like. Their backs are on the end of the box and their wings face forward and their their wings are touching in the middle. The cherubim spread their wings above and covered the mercy seat with their wings. They faced one another. The faces of the cherubim were always toward the mercy seat. So the top of it, I guess you could sit in it. I don't know if the wings like were, would be behind you if you sat on it or if it, anybody ever even sat on the mercy seat. But, okay, I, I just wanted us to have a picture of that. The funny thing is, in chapter 25, it said, and put the tablets inside there. But they didn't say anything about and they put the tablets inside. Then verse uh, chapter 38, uh, they made the altar. Okay, so we had... We made the Ark of the Testimony, and then we made the table for the showbread. We made the golden lampstand, and we made the altar of incense and made all the anointing oil and the incense. Remember the instructions on the anointing oil? No counterfeits. That was the anointing oil and the oil for the incense was only for that purpose. It couldn't be used against pain for pain of death. You couldn't use it for perfume. They uh, still have the formula today in Israel. Um, only they don't use it anymore. They well, don't they have will. it. Yeah, they, they will one day, won't they? Prepared and ready. Right. When they rebuild the temple and start to use that stuff again. Uh, making the altar of the burnt offering at the beginning of chapter 38, which is a repeat of what was in chapters 27. Um, making the bronze laver. The bronze laver was like lavatory. That's where we get that. Where um, lavarse los manos. Wash your hands. You know, we see that in a restaurant. That's where that word comes from. Um, the lave, the bronze laver was a little bowl that they washed their hands in before they ministered in there. The making of the court of the tabernacle. And then the materials of the tabernacle. That's in chapter 38. And then chapter 39. The beginning of that is the making of the priestly garments, which is a repeat of stuff in chapter 28. Making the ephod which was the, the sandwich board thing that the priests wore on the front, and it had all the stones on it. Making of the breastplate, the making of the other priestly garments is in chapter uh, 39 there, which is a repeat of what was in chapter 28. 
and um, the, all the other priestly garments that talked about little bells on the end that were shaped like pomegranates and all that. The funny, uh, another thing that wasn't mentioned here that was mentioned in the previous chapters is that there's no mention of the trousers. Remember, they said they were going to wear these robes, but they'd also have trousers so that when they went up the steps, that's, that they couldn't see their other parts. Behind. So that was their un, that was their underwear. I think they were kind of like yoga pants, maybe. <laughs> that's what I'm picturing. It's like bloomers. Yeah. Bloomers, okay. <laughs> bloomers is what the cheerleaders wear under their... Um, under their outfits. At least that's why we called them in high school uh, the, and the drill team. And I was a drum major, so for two years I ran all the stuff that happened during marching season. And lo and behold, all these little girls with their purple bloomers on, except for one, and I had to call her over there. I said, Mary Jane, I need to talk to you for a second. You forgot your bloomers. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying... This is the tabernacle erected and arranged. So we're going to see the arrangement here. We, I handed out pictures a few weeks ago of what it, what it looked like. But I want you to picture the stuff because there's stuff that's on the inside and stuff that's on the outside. And all. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, On the first day of the first month of the year, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of the meat. So they put all this stuff together and built it, but he didn't set it up yet until this certain day. You shall put in it the Ark of the Testimony. What's the Ark of the Testimony? The Ark, it contains the two tablets, uh, those things. Um, it also had some manna in there and it had the rod. The rod of air. Yeah. Um, you shall put in the Ark of the Testimony and partition off the Ark with the veil. You shall bring in the table and, okay, so... There is a room that eventually becomes the Holy of Holies in the temple. And the Ark of the Covenant is in there. And it's the gold box that has a cherubim on top of it. So that's going to be inside there covered with a veil. You shall bring in the table and arrange the things that are to be set in order on it. So that was the, the showbread goes on that table. And you shall bring in the lampstand and light its lamp. So it had all those, it had that candelabra thing that had all the different candles on it. Um, the manure. And you shall bring in the lampstand and light its lamps. You shall also set up the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony and put up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. Then you shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle. That's outside. Uh before, in front of, right there, the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall set the labor between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water in it. So you've got a, you've got a curtain up there that has all the, the ark and the showbread and the lampstand and, and the altar of incense is inside there. And then outside of it, you've got the labor right in front of it, just like this right here, where hands would be. And then the altar the, where they sacrificed is outside there. Um, that's the altar of the burnt offering. You said set, uh, put water in it. You shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen at the court gate. 
So remember the picture of it? There's a tent that has all, that is the tent of meeting. It has the tabernacle. I mean, it has the Ark of the Covenant all inside that. The whole giant thing is called the tabernacle. But remember, there's a, there's a curtain fence all around it that, so people on the outside can't see what's going on on the inside. And it comes together in the front, and then there's a wide opening. There's a gate because the two posts come together here, and there's no door. But there's a screen in front of the door, so people outside can't see what's going on unless you go inside to see. Uh, and you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and you shall hallow it all, hallow it, hallow, make it holy. It'll be because it's going to be separated and none of these things are going to be ever used for anything else except to be this tabernacle uh, where God meets them and hallow it and all its utensils and it shall be holy. You shall anoint the altar of the burnt offerings and all its utensils and consecrate the altar, the altar itself, which was these stones. Remember, they couldn't be carved. They couldn't be turned into nice square bricks. They would just pot. Rocks that they would pile up. Um, and you shall anoint, uh, consecrate the altar. It shall be holy. You shall anoint the labor and its space and consecrate it. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Wash them with water. You shall, uh, so it, they wash them in front, maybe from the labor. You shall, it's especially since it's got the, um, it's in that context. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics and you shall anoint them and you, uh, as you anointed their father and they may minister to me as priests for they, for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Thus Moses did according to all the Lord had commanded him and so he did. And it came to pass on the first month, the second year, on the first day of the month. So the second year after they've left Egypt, on the first day of the month that the tabernacle was raised up, Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets because everything fits together. I picture, you know, like we like we make things out of PVC and poke, poke them together or tent, you know, tent stuff we have now because it was going to... It was going to go with them wherever they went. And we'll talk about that more in a second. Uh, Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets, set up its boards, put in its bars, and raised up its pillars. We looked at the, the instructions. It, they had rings that the curtains slid on and all that kind of stuff. And he spread out the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on top of it. So there's a tent, and the covering was made out of uh, some hide that, that went over the top of that. <clears throat> so it was a tent with the tent on top of the tent. Uh, put the covering on the tent as the Lord had commanded it. He took the testimony and put it into the ark, inserted the poles of the rings in the ark, and put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering, and partitioned off the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded. He put the table in the tabernacle of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil. And he set the bread in order upon it before the Lord. As the Lord had commanded Moses, he put the lampstand in the tabernacle, meaning across from the table on the south side of the tabernacle. And he lit the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. 
He put the gold altar in the tabernacle of meeting in front of the veil. That's the altar of incense. And he burned sweet incense on it as the Lord commanded. He hung up the screen at the door of the tabernacle and he put the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of Tenamini and offered upon it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the laver between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water there for washing. And Moses, Aaron, and his sons would wash their hands and their feet with water from it. Whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting and when they came near the ark, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he raised up the court all around the tabernacle. They raised up the outside stuff um, and hung up the screen of the court uh, gate. And he finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I just want to say amen right there. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. So whenever that, that's when that was a signal to move on. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. So they stayed where they were until the cloud was gone. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and the fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. The way the furniture was positioned, it was the the cross. Yeah. So that's important. All in a line, and then the showbread on one side. He's the the door. Yeah. Um, So it traveled. So this thing was made to travel. It was made to travel on all their journeys, and the pillar of fire at night, and the pillar, the cloud of smoke by day. And whenever it was... Whenever it went away, that's when they moved. And they moved on. um, And so this is Exodus. Numbers is when they go in and they they send the spies in. And we know what happens there. It's the signal. Hold on. Let me read something from Deuteronomy. This is from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, Moses wrote it down. Deuteronomos means... Second law, noma, noma is law, uh, Hebrew for law. So this is the second giving of the law. It's Moses saying his last hurrah to Israel, but the beginning of it has some words that are interesting. Verse one says, these are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan, in the wilderness, in the plain, opposite Suf, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab, whatever those places are. Verse 2 has these words. This is what I want to call your attention to. It is 11 days' journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. That's where they are. They're at Kadesh Barnea. 40 years later, when, when Moses gives this stuff from Deuteronomy. Forty years later, and Moses wrote this down. You know, it only, it only takes 11 days to get from Mount Horeb, where we got the law and we got the tabernacle and all that kind of stuff. It only takes 11 days to get here, right here to Kadesh Barnea from Mount Horeb. 
And we've been wandering around for 40 years and didn't need to. One of the most interesting things to me is when Rahab says, we've been worried about y'all for 40 years. They were afraid 40 years before that when they were at Kadesh Barnea and sent the spies in. They were afraid at that point because they had heard about these guys the people that, that, and their God and that nobody can stand before them. Said their hearts melted within them. They did 40 years for nothing. Absolutely for nothing. So when we, at the end of that, when it says, and it was with them throughout all their journeys, that's like this bum, 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 the, this foreshadowing the, all their journeys. It's, oh, and they're thinking, oh, well, that doesn't sound so bad. It's only 11 days, right? No. Because of the way they chose it. I used to tell kids who were having problems, I worked with emotionally disturbed kids and and uh, as a consultant at several schools. And um, I would tell those kids, I said, you know, there's an easy way and hard. there's a hard way. Which one are you going to choose? The children of Israel chose the hard way. They had seen all that God had done throughout the beginning of this exodus. They, they knew that they, they could do anything. That when... When Joshua said, no, he said, yeah, they're big, they're giants, but we'd be well able. We've got everything we need. Let's just go in. Because that's what God had told them to do, but they chose the hard way. They chose the 40-year journey. There's a recent government report put out the last couple of weeks telling Apple and Google that their GPS needs to be better. But I'm thinking it's probably not GPS. <laughs> I think it's a problem with people following directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like they had a problem following directions. <laughs> but how could you see the cloud every day and the fire every night and not believe in God? Yeah. That seems kind of strange to me. That reminds me of... They used to say that about birth control. It's not effective enough. It's only such and such percent. It's all. It's pretty much 100% effective if you use it the right way, which is the same way with Google. It, if you do it right, yeah, it, it's user error more than anything else, isn't it? My computer's broke. What's wrong with my computer? It's, yeah, it's usually user error, isn't it? Just think, if the fire moved, they were kept one day, and the fire moved or the cloud moved, then they had to get do all they had to do and get gone. That's right. And moving, uh, moving a couple million people. Yeah, was, that was a problem. Yeah. I mean, it, it was always a problem at my house. It might have made it 20 days instead of 11 days. We only had to get Pam and me and five kids and seven of us. I can't imagine a million people. Especially complaining, griping people, yeah, yeah. and after they de- and after they decided to not go into the promised land the first time, how long do you think it took to get moving every time they did that? And they didn't. They didn't just sit out for forty years waiting. They wandered and wandered and wandered and wandered for forty years. I felt like trips that we've taken have lasted almost forty years sometimes, but. Their sandals didn't wear out. That that was a miracle. 
their clothes and their shoes did not wear out. <laughs> I guess if they... Yeah. The shoes and clothes must have grown with them. What? <laughs> The shoes must have grew with them, with the children. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad I'm just not going to get any shoes. speculating. They, just, they swapped. <laughs> Maybe so. You think? Well, some of them were dying off more, on the way. Well, they, had a whole, they had a whole lot bigger population with by the time they got there, too. The reason for the 40 years was for the unbelievers to die off. Those people did not go into the promised land, partly because they were, so, I think, because of their complaining, murmuring, complaining, yeah. and all that stuff. God wanted to start over with a group that knew how to trust Him and that had spent 40 years trusting Him. So there's no point in them not, not doing whatever He says. Of course, then we get the after Jer Jericho, we get to the Battle of Ai. And and Achan and his family break the rules. Break very the first, rules. very first, out of the starting gate. I don't know. And you see this playing out over and first over. right out of the box. That's what I was trying to think of. Thank you, Pam. <clears throat> and this happens over and over. When George W. Bush went into free free Iraqis, you know, give them democracy. I said, well, according to the Bible, it's going to take about 40 years because a lot of people are going to have to die off because as soon as they have a democracy, they're going to vote somebody else in that's going to take control. Right. Because that's what slaves do. Right. Yeah. Don't know any better. <laughs> yeah. And people don't want to be slaves, so. Praise God, we're delivered. Well, Amen. And as a counselor, I've seen that happen over and over, that somebody gets liberated <laughs> from an alcoholic husband, and who do you think they marry the next yeah, time? Yeah. Alcoholic husband. Same. And it's just, you get used to things and you can't, it, you know how it works. You know how, to, you know how to fix things that get broken, so you just keep on breaking <clears throat> things. Choosing broken things. It's true. Yeah. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father, I pray blessing on this group right now that's come together to encourage and support each other and to be encouraged by your word. Uh, lead us into our next study and Father, just um, in always in your word. We're not seeking to be intellectually stimulated or learn some history or anything like that. We seek to, to understand you and that in all of our our study of your word is to get the revelation of who you are and consequently who we are in you. Um, and so as we leave this place, may we, we recognize that we're your children, that, um, that we are following after the example that Jesus set as the firstborn among many offspring, that, that we are that offspring, that we seek to encounter and be dispensers of kingdom wherever we go. Reveal what that means to us more and more because we want to operate 
We want to operate in such a way that you can pass by us because we're operating in kingdom principles already. We know how to calm storms. We know how to bring peace to situations. Because you're within us. So keep us healthy to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless y'all.